0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I'm going to speak today on this subject, the last sermon of this church service, of this building as it is. I'm going to call it Escaping Prison Mentality. Escaping Prison Mentality. And I'm gonna read from Philippians chapter four. There's 10 words here that ought to change your whole theorem about life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Turn to your neighbor and say, get rejoiced today. Rejoice. get your rejoy going. Rejoice in the Lord. All you that are watching, whatever platform you're watching on, Online, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us, and we love your guppies. You may be seated. God bless your incredible, incredible people. Thanks again to our wonderful music team. Right. I read about several years ago one of our nation's honored veterans. His name was Captain Charlie Plum. At age 24, He was a high flyer. He was a top gun pilot during the Vietnam War in 65's when he went. And already he had flown 74 successful missions and was five days short of completing his tour of duty. But something happened that changed his life forever. Roaring off the deck of the USS Kitty Hawk, the cockpit of his F-4 Phantom fighter jet, Charlie remembered thinking, I'm the best of the best. I'm probably bulletproof. Soaring into the bright blue sky, he anticipated the successful completion of his 75th mission, but enemy fire ended his delusions. His plane was hit and soon began its plummet toward the earth, and Charlie and his co-pilot just managed to eject from the cockpit, and their parachute opened, and 90 seconds later, 90 seconds later, they fell into the outstretched hands and arms of the North Vietnamese Army. And in a minute and a half, Captain Plum had gone from being top gun to POW. He would be an unwilling guest at the Hanoi Hilton for the next six years, 2,013 days to be exact. He shared this dubious, uncertain distinction with 200 other POWs, and Captain Plum was a graduate back in 64 of the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. In his own words, he said this, I love this, He said, I finished in the half of the class that makes the top half possible. (laughs) He's a neat guy. What honors he didn't earn in Annapolis, he earned the hard way, a silver star, two purple hearts, bronze star, the Legion of Merit, and of course, the Prisoner of War medal. In his first couple of days in Hanoi, he was tortured, he was interrogated and he was humiliated. He was tossed into an eight foot by eight foot sail both ways. It was a square sail. And he paced and he cried and he wept. Three steps, he would pivot. Three steps, he, was piv- he would pivot. Then more days and more torture. Weeks passed, more torture. Down to 115 pounds, three steps, pivot, three steps. There were 27 balls on the front of his body and more on his back and bleeding from four open wounds. Three steps, pivot. And one day, in the midst of a painful monotony, he heard a chirping sound, a chirping noise. And thinking it to be a cricket, he located the sound and found it was a piece of wire kind of coming through a little mouse hole from the cell next to him, and it was scratching the floor. And as he watched, the wire moved, scratching the floor, making the sound of a cricket And on the other end of the wire, he realized, must be another prisoner, just like myself. So he tugged on the wire three times, and someone on the other end answered with three tugs. And then Captain Plum tugged again. The wire was pulled from his grasp from the other person. And he went on to say, I heard him speak, he went on to say that that they, they, they had a little wire code, like Morse code, they knew how to pull how many times, what word they were saying. They created a new language in those cells. And for an hour, Charlie waited for the wire to come back, and the wire returned with the note attached to the end. And the note said, How you doing, buddy? He said, You want to know what your biggest problem is? That's what the note said. This shocked Charlie. Here he was, 115 pounds, no clothes, except a piece of cloth wrapped around his waist, bleeding and standing, and starving to death, humiliated, and his fellow prisoner had the gall to ask him if he knew what his problem was. Listening to you over there, the note continued. It sounds like you're suffering from a fairly common disease that can kill you if you don't catch it in time. And Charlie scrambled and scribbled back an inquiry. What's the name of this disease? Maybe I know something about it. The response came back. Around here, we call this disease prison thinking. Prison thinking. Prison thinking. It's where you think you're a prisoner. And Charlie thought for a moment, and this is his words, not mine. He said, what kind of idiot have they put me next to? Of course I'm a prisoner. I'm not thinking I am, I am. But Charlie realized he would rather be talking to anyone, even a nut next door, than no one at all. So he responded, tell me about prison thinking. And the man sent back a note on the wire. He said, when a guy gets shot down, The normal red-blooded American thing for him to do is, number one, start feeling sorry for himself. Number two, blaming everybody else for your problems. And number three, get into this woe-is-me mode of life. Mama's little boy is a long way from home in a communist prison camp, and you get a bushel of pity, and then you just wallow in it. Then you start blaming other people for your misfortune, and you suddenly give the enemy control over your life. That's prison thinking, prison thinking. I heard Captain Plum speak about this, and he said, it's not just an eight-by-eight-foot sail. It's an eight-inch sail sometime right here that becomes a prison. Same problem. We can all lapse into what we call prison thinking. Somebody say amen to that. I'm thinking of another famous prisoner who must have learned that lesson early on because in his numerous encounters with prisons, he had a philosophy. Here was his philosophy, 10 words. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 10 words. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Always. And again I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Somebody needs to talk themselves out of a prison today. You need to speak your way, praise your way out of it. I want to speak about prison thinking. There's some fairly famous prisoners mentioned in the Bible. Daniel was tucked away in a lion's den one night. Jeremiah was trapped at the bottom of a well, and David was in a hold more than once, sometimes hiding from Saul and sometimes a prisoner of the Philistines. And Simon Peter in Acts 12 was in a prison one night. The apostle Paul may be the most famous, though. He referred to himself as, you ready for this, the prisoner of the Lord. If you're going to be trapped by somebody, be trapped by Jesus. If you're going to be a prisoner of somebody, oh, I want to preach today. Be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God told Ananias concerning Paul, he said in Acts 9, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul gives a brief excerpt of his experiences. And in a close up and personal letter to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians, I'm the funniest man in the planet because I pull my glasses off to read up close and I put them on so I can see anything out there. <laughs> I got font this big right now and I can read it like a charm. I put my glasses on, I couldn't see it, but I couldn't see you with, without them. So that's just me, All right. Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seeds of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? He said, I am more. <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more free. He said, I've been to prison more than all you guys. In deaths often from the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a day and a night. I've been in the deep, in journeys often. Then he goes to eight perils here. The perils of water, robbers, countrymen, Gentiles, city, wilderness, sea, false brethren. Verse 27, in weariness and toil, sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things, what come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches... And all this stuff that I've been putting up with, I still got you on my heart. Let me tell you something, folks. That'll wear you out just reading it, and he went through it. I think we ought to give a hand clap for the Apostle Paul today. Paul, (laughs) in prisons more frequent. So Paul suffered much, but he gained much. From the crucible of his personal suffering emerged the fragrant letters to the Ephesians to the Colossians, and the beautiful flowing kind statement to Philemon concerning Onesimus, the runaway slave. We would not have the book of Philippians had Paul not been in a Roman prison cell. And the recipients of that letter, the Philippians lived in a city called Philippi, a city in Greece named after Prince or King Philip, the father of Alexander the Great who conquered all the known world and wept because there was no more worlds to conquer. But Paul had visited this city 10 years earlier with a young man named Silas, and the two men had walked the streets, and a woman with a spirit of divination had called them out and told them what they were, and Paul rebuked it and said, that's not of God, and they wound up in prison. They were in stocks and bonds, and they were beaten, and they were mocked, and they were cursed and looked at wrong. But at midnight, at midnight, you know why they did it at midnight, folks? because right at midnight is a brand new day. You know what, you can find a brand new day sitting right in the middle of prison in your mind right now. A brand, you know what does it? Praise in the Lord. Praise always brings a new day in your life. And the strategy that they had, they started singing a song unto the Lord. In fact, they sang heartily until something happened in their life and the Apostle Paul had an aversion to the disease of prison thinking rather than self-pity. He opted for praise. Instead of, woe is me, he chose worthy is the lamb. And to the same Philippians he shouted, rejoice in the Lord. And in case you missed it, again I say, rejoice. Paul and Silas may have been chained in their body, but their minds and their spirits were loosed in praise. I think we ought to stop right now. David said seven times a day, I'm going to give a praise break. I think we ought to give God a praise break right now. Clap your hands and say I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on now. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will say of the Lord, you are my God and you will I trust. Oh, I feel the presence of God. We need to have a little church here on this last Sunday. Clap your hands to the Lord mightily. Few of us will ever be POWs like Charlie Plum or in prison like the Apostle Paul. But I put it on the screen. Our prison bars are more mental than they are metal are held captive by mental habits, mindsets, attitudes. We need to be loosed from that. Amen. We need to be loosed from at least three metal or mental bonds. Everybody say loose me, God. Number 1, we need to be loosed. Faith needs to loose us from fear. Faith does loose us from fear. Fear has torment. 30% of Americans suffer from mental diseases. That's not good. Bound by phobias and disorders and anxieties. Many people live in fear's dark prison. The Apostle John said in 1 John 4, fear has torment. Fear will torment you. But he said perfect love casts out fear. Somebody needs to fall in love with Jesus if you're afraid today. There's a great bondage in fear. Fear. But great bondage calls for great deliverance. I love this story. I've told it a number of times, and if you've heard it before, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell it again. (laughs) An old sea captain quizzed a young Naval Academy graduate. What steps would you take if a sudden storm came from the starboard side on this ship, young man? He said, I'd throw out an anchor, sir. He said, what would you do if another storm sprang up aft? He said, I'd throw out another anchor, sir but what would you do if a third storm came up forward? He said, I'd throw out another anchor, sir. And the old captain said, where in the world, young man, are you getting all these anchors? And the young officer said, from the same place you're getting all those storms. I love that. For for every storm, there is an anchor. For each wild, fearful night, there's a ray of light. For every trial, there is a triumph. And for every fear factor, there's a faith factor. If God be for us, who can be against us? Acts 27, Paul, our famous prisoner, spent 14 days in a storm called Eurachlidon in a driving wind when even the best sailors had given up hope. And Paul said it this way, there stood by me this night an angel of God whose I am and who I I serve. And God has given you all them that sail with you, he told me. So that angel stood by Paul that very night in that horrible storm and said, I'm here with you. And all these people that are sailing with you, I've given them to you. Wow, what a promise. God has given you everybody that's sailing with you, Paul. And so Paul was saying simply this, stay with the ship and you'll be saved. I want to preach, stay with the ship, this church, and you'll be saved. There is a pull to pull us away from church activity. There is a pull to take us out of what we call good old fashioned church. But I want to declare that if you'll stay with the church, you will be saved because this church is a predestinated church. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build it and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you want to go somewhere with the Lord, stay in the boat, and let's get to the other side. Faith in God looses fear. Faith faith calls Daniel to rest in a lion's den, and the Hebrew boys, not to panic in a fiery furnace. We need fear to be loosed by faith. And the second thing we need is forgiveness needs to be loosed from bitterness. We need, we need forgiveness to loose us from bitterness. Bitterness is a tough thing. In fact, it's the only spirit in the Bible that has a root. You've got to get the root of bitterness out of you. If anyone had a right to be bitter, Paul did. He had trouble on top of trouble, but Paul knew bitterness can kill you. Paul's answer was this. You ready for this? I'm going to put it on the screen. He said, get lost in God, not on your problem. Get lost in God, not in your problem. You know what some of us need to do? We need to quit worrying about how bad things are and start believing how great God is. Can I tell you that after this, there's going to be a rapture of the church someday. After this, the church is going to excel again. The Bible said, in the last day saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There's going to be an end time revival that the hell cannot stop. He won't stop. He's trying to divert our thinking, divert our our, our hearts, make us bitter and not let us have a spirit of forgiveness. But in the name of the Lord, we will forgive, we will move forward and we will conquer in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way. He used these kind of phrases for me to live is Christ. Say it with me. For me to live is Christ. I'm going to glorify Christ. I must abound in the love of Christ. Let Christ's mind be in me. And let me know him in the fellowship, power of his resurrection, say power of his resurrection, and fellowship of his suffering. I want to know him. Paul went to Calvary University. He understood what it was to praise with God and suffer with God. So here's what I want to tell you. There needs to be, there needs to be some forgiveness that loosens us from bitterness. We need to walk in a spirit of forgiveness. When Charlie Plum was released from Hanoi, he was transported to Clark Air Base in the Philippines. And he called home to his wife, but she didn't answer the phone. So he called his mom and dad. He said, Mom and dad, it's me, Charlie. I made it out. And they wept and they cried together. And finally, the dreaded question, Dad, where's my wife? Son, we'll talk about that when you get home. And Charlie insisted, I want to know now. Son, I'd give anything not to have to tell you this. She got tired of waiting on you, son. She got a divorce, and she's engaged to be married. And when Charlie returned home to the States, friends insisted that he hire a lawyer and take his ex-wife to the cleaners. But Charlie said, you ready for this? You're telling me I have a right to be bitter? You're telling me it's all right to hate? You don't understand what I've been through, a six-year program at the University of Hanoi. I got my master's degree. I can't afford to be bitter. I must forgive, I must forget, and I must move on. Everybody say, forgive, forget, and move on. There's three things this church needs to get a hold of right now. You ready for it? Number one. We need to get away from this concept of this coronavirus is going to destroy this world. We need to get away from that concept. There is nothing that's going to stand against the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess and say you are Lord. The second thing we need to get over is this, that government probably will not save us. These governments are gonna be fighting until the end of the year, and they're gonna be fighting all next year. It's not gonna get probably any better, but we're gonna move on anyhow. And the third thing we need to look at real close is that we cannot let a spirit of unforgiveness get a hold of us in the racism, in the bigotry, and the bias and the prejudice of the world. This is God's church. Oh, hallelujah. This is his church. We're not for here. We're for there. We're going someplace. I didn't mean to get so fired up, but I got fired up on that. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Calm me down, Jesus. I had a a nightmare last night. I told the first service this, and I'm going to tell you this. I had a nightmare last night. It it woke me up, and, and I woke up hollering, but I wasn't hollering loud. I was hollering in my sleep. And I, uh, I, was, in, I was in prison. I guess I really let this, spirit, this sermon get in my spirit. I was in prison. And I woke up. I said, I'm coming out. You hear me? I was, I was hollering that I'm coming out of here. And I thought, my Lord, I was sitting up in the bed. I hadn't had one of those in probably 25, 30 years. But it was just unbelievable But I think the Lord wanted me to do that and feel that, so I could feel what I'm telling you today. We are not going to be overcome, but we will overcome. We are not going to be put down. We will be exalted. God's church is the apple of his eye. And this is a church that loves him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Can you give a hand clap for a church that preaches the truth all around this world? Come on. Clap your hands for a church that tells truth all around this world. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. I got to hurry. Let me hurry. The third thing we're going to have to do is, is humility looses us from pride. Pride is such a bondage. It has I in the middle of it, P-R-I-I-I-D-E. We get locked in jail houses of self-importance sometimes. We stumble like Jacob Marley's spirit and Dickens' Christmas carol. and The only freedom is a life of Christian living. Here, Paul's pedigree, listen to this. Listen to what he could get fired up about. He said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was a member of the tribe of Benjamin that produced the first king of Israel. I was a student of Gamal. I was highly educated. I was a member of the Sanhedrin. I was a prisoner. And then he wrote one day, I'm the chief of the apostles. But he also wrote, I was the chief of sinners. God took him from the chief of the lowest era to the chief of the highest era. And then scolded him because he gave him a thorn in the flesh because he had too much revelation and too much understanding. And he gave him a thorn in his flesh. So here's what I want to tell you. It's important that you understand what I'm about to say is that humility, humility has to loosen us from pride. The world that we're living in is full of me. We've got to be full of Him. Randy, if you'll help me. I'm trying to land this thing. Charlie Plum was dining with his second wife, Kathy, in a restaurant when he got back home one day and a man was staring at him a few tables away, and the stranger got up and came over to his table and pointed a finger in Captain Plum's face and said, You're Plum. Charlie looked up and said, Yes, sir, I'm Charlie. And the man recited a little miniature biography of Charlie Plum's life. He said, You flew fighters in Nam, and you were on the carrier Kitty Hawk, and you were shot down, and you parachuted to the enemy hands and spent six years in a, as a POW. And Charlie Plum was astonished. He said, how'd you know that? And the response was four words that would forever change Charlie's life. The man standing by his table said simply, I packed your parachute. <laughs> and I knew if you got shot down and you pulled the ripcord, it would work because I packed it. And Charlie was speechless. He thought back when he was strutting across the deck of an aircraft carrier and one of those enlisted sailors, one standing in front of him now, had packed a parachute that saved his life. And I wonder, at this very moment, who is busy packing your parachute? There's a lot of people that come to church A lot of people come to church and people say, do they matter? Are they important? Yeah. Everybody can be a parachute packer. Everybody can do that. If we make it, it will be with a lot of help from a lot of people. Pride's boastful bonds melt before a humble spirit. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Old Testament is rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Not if I fall, but when I fall. I'm asking you to not let the world's pride get into your life. Somebody may be packing your parachute right now I won't tell you this. For the last 23 years, I've packed a lot of them. I love packing parachutes. We got a little motto right back there. It said, I will leave here a better person than I was when I came in. And I believe every time we have left Christian life, Austin, I believe we have left in a better space, in a better way, in a better place with Jesus Christ. I think the Lord's helped us. And I think even on this Sunday, the last Sunday of preaching in this old building, I think the Lord's gonna help many of you to walk out of here saying, you know what, I can do this. I can conquer fear. I really can. I can make it. I can make it through fear. And I really can. I really can do what God wanted me to do. I can, I can forgive and not become bitter. And I can have humility and not be proud. You know what Charlie said? I heard him speak, and he said this, and I'm gonna quote it for you. He said, here's how you survive prison thinking. He said, keep your parachute packed, drop an anchor, and tug on a wire. What he's saying is, make sure you're ready Make sure you're stable and make sure you know your upper source. Tug on a wire. So today, we're walking out of here and we're gonna move all these chairs and if you want a job that pays nothing, we'll ask you to stay and help us. We're gonna walk out of here today and we're gonna rejoice. We're gonna be glad. Would you stand all over the house? I wanna bless you in the name of the Lord. I want to bless you. Amen. Well, it's amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I want was lost but now in that wonderful i was blind but now i see raise your hands receive the blessing from the lord today i pray in the name of jesus bless these wonderful wonderful precious people god I wish we could pray for all of them around the altar like we do but we understand and we're gonna be, be complicit. We're gonna walk with it. Now, Lord, I ask you to bless everybody in this house. Turn your face toward them. Let grace smile on them. Let them have a countenance that glows in a world that's looking for answers. Let us walk out of here better people than we were when we came in and give us of your kingdom of which will be no end. And God, even though we're going online next Sunday and the next Sunday, We'll be back in church next door in the chapel in the foyer next three weeks from now, the 16th, and we'll be building here and worshiping there. And Lord, on Wednesday nights, we're gonna have summer revival for five weeks. Five great ministers around America are gonna be preaching into Christian Life Austin's heart on Wednesday night. Thank you for that. Thank you for our friends that will bless this church in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I ask you to take care of us now, watch over us. And, Lord, let this be the safest place people go all week long, the house of God. Let the sanctuary be a place where nobody gets gets COVID. Everybody walks out of here clean. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, 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 amen. I love you.